You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumare. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumare. Mary, uh, you and our brother Ray and uh, I, oh, I don't know how many years ago this was. You're going to have to tell me. Mom was uh, starting to get sick, but she was still well enough. And I don't know which one of us, if it, if it was you, asked her, you know, Mom, you may only have one big trip left, and we'd like to take you on it. Where would you like to go? And she said she wanted to go to the beaches of Normandy, which, uh, I mean, it made sense if you knew Mom. Mom was a real... World War II kids. She was in high school during World War II. And so the D-Day landing was not history for her. That It was an exciting thing. It was part of her life that she, she followed. And she wanted to get a bottle of sand uh, from the beach on on D-Day. Have I I told that story right? Is that? That's correct. And then um, Ray, because of who he is, ran with that and organized that. And it was an awesome trip. And um, and some of it was just Ray's organizing of it. But we can can laugh about that another day because we have a lot of great memories from that trip. We do. And I I mean, the, the biggest memory... I have. Uh, The beach was amazing. It was impressive. Uh, Frankly, one thing that struck me on the beach was the sunbathers who were there and the kids playing on the beach. This place of horror, uh, Omaha Beach, where people were killed everywhere, is now just a lovely recreational place, along with being a big tourist site. But you know what struck me about that was this is what these young men died for, to make it free, to make it a beautiful place like this. So the beach struck me, but not nearly as much as going up to the cemetery and walk, walking through the rows and rows and seeing the 19-year-old, the 20-year-old, the 21-year-old who died there. Did, did you experience I that? I, I agree. I, I told every American who will listen to me that if you have the opportunity to take the trip to Normandy, you should do that. Forget that it's a beautiful place, like you said. It's a beautiful part of France. The food was awesome. The people were friendly. All that aside, walking the cemetery at Normandy truly makes you appreciate the sacrifices that were made in order for us to live in a free world. And it's, you know, it's a pretty personal thing. Uh, I mean, it was a different place. But our Uncle Bill, who we did not know, our dad's brother, uh, was a pilot. He was killed uh, in the Battle of Atu and Kiska. Our dad, another young guy, was there in the Aleutians uh, preparing to take back Atu, the only part 
of the continental United States occupied by the Japanese. Last summer, I was uh, uh, in Normandy again with with my dear friend and partner, Pam, and uh, her dad uh, was a pilot that was flying over Normandy. Young guy, young guy, flying, I think, a B-24 uh, on D-Day and on the days following. These were real people. They weren't abstractions. And many of them are at rest and memorialized those who died. I'm talking about our relatives who who lived, but they're just like them. They were people like them, and they lie dead there in Normandy. And I, I still talking about it, I find it overwhelming. And I can't imagine anybody on God's green earth calling any of those young men who lost their lives losers you can't imagine i got a guy for you now oh listen i know he's talking about a world war one battlefield the battle of the marne same thing i haven't visited there but he's talking about a cemetery of american soldiers and the president of the united states called them a bunch of losers and, you know, just as an aside on that, John, imagine that those young men, and, you know, it was almost all men in those days, but were buried there in Europe. They were never brought home. And you mentioned our Uncle Bill, who was killed in the Aleutians. His body never recovered. And that was something that our dad and his immigrant parents never really recovered from the fact that he, they could not bring him home to bury him. So you think about those rows and rows of young men buried in Europe because they had to do that, whose family never got to bury them here and who had sacrificed part of that generation. As a mother of two sons, I can't even imagine how heartbreaking that would be, how you know, destructive it would be to your soul and your sense of family and all those things. And and today, when I woke up and heard the hullabaloo and then read Goldberg's article in The Atlantic, I was really offended and hurt for all those mothers, for our grandmother, who lost a child, who then the President of the United States would call those children losers. I know. And I... You know, one of the parts of radio is you can't see what I'm looking like here. I am seething, sitting here, seething. And I think anybody from any war, parents of someone who was lost in Afghanistan, in Vietnam, in Iraq, in Korea, in the Second World War, all must say, you, sir, the commander in chief, you just called my child who gave his or her life for the United States a loser. How dare you? How dare you? Honestly, and, you know, of course, the response today from, you know, both Trump and his defenders is, well, I didn't say that. Well, the, the problem he has is that he said enough of those things publicly, proudly, 
that it's within the way that he talks. So we know that that the reporting is probably absolutely correct. Absolutely, because I mean we can show on tape that he called John McCain. John McCain, who not only sat in a Vietnamese prisoner of war camp, but was offered a chance to be sent home because of his father and grandfather, frankly, but his father, who was a notable Navy leader, and John McCain, whose arms were broken, who was tortured, said, no, you send us all home or you send nobody home. We have on tape Donald Trump calling him a loser. And if anybody wants to say, well, he was talking about that he had lost the election. In the next sentence, he said, he was only a war hero because he was captured. I like guys who weren't captured. Don't tell me, Mr. President, you said it. It's on tape. We have on tape what he said about the Khan family, the Gold Star family, and their loss of his son. So we have all that on tape. Do we believe that you stood there on a day that you didn't want to get your hair wet because it was raining and say, I don't want to go out there. Those guys are a bunch of losers anyway. Yeah, I believe it. You know, it's interesting when you're, uh, for lawyers, when you're trying to figure out whether someone's lying or not, you know, you look at other statements that they've made and say, is this consistent with the way they talked? So I heard some reporting today on what John Bolton said, because he was on that trip. And he said, I didn't hear him say that at that time. But is it consistent with things he said? And does it make sense to me that he said those things? Yes, of course, that's who he is. And I thought that's probably short of Kelly or one of them saying, yeah, I'm the one who heard it because these guys aren't coming forth with that. Still anonymous sources. But when Bolton saw said that, I thought that's a very powerful confirmation that he said that or something so close to it. So I think Trump's, you know, trying to say, I didn't say that um, the Atlantic is a terrible publication and for anyone that reads The Atlantic, you know that's not true. Um, and it's, this, it's just falling very flat. Yeah. And, you know, he's essentially insinuating, well, this is just a bad reporter. This is not. This is Jeffrey Goldberg. He's the senior editor-in-chief of The Atlantic, one of the longest-lasting and most respected journals in the United States. And it's been confirmed by other reporters. Absolutely. So, not, it's just so I mean that's just Trump gaslighting you know whatever rope a dope or whatever you want to call the way that he acts the thing that that I thought this was really upsetting to me today as well because I thought there are parents spouses who have someone they love who's serving still in Afghanistan uh, in Iraq or other parts of the world and how do you feel about that when you know what the commander in chief thinks of them like what a bunch of losers they're serving their country and your life is so disrupted by doing what you think is the right thing so that just as a, a human being i think is horrific but the part that is maybe the most bothersome john 
is that there remains 35 or 37 or 40 percent of people in these United States that think that's okay. Absolutely. And there remain, at least according to the last study I saw, 90 percent, 92 percent of the Republican Party, this once proud party, who say, we still support him. There remain senators and congressmen who are absolute mute today. Where is Rob Portman today? Just to pick on uh, the senator from, from Ohio. When, we've said for four years, when do you guys say, that's it, no more? And apparently the answer to that is never. We're going to wait till he's defeated, and then we'll try and come up with some story after that. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right. And so, you know, we, I don't know how many times we've had the conversation, like, how much worse can it get? Today, it felt like we really had licked the bottom of the barrel because of how he's talking about active service personnel and, you know, past veterans and, and servicemen who have died. It, it, I don't know how much lower he can go, but he does seem to find a way. Of course, you know, our pal, Mr. Empathy, Joe Biden, did make a statement. And of course, he had a son who served. Um, that was, is he said, he goes, I might not get angry again during the rest of this campaign, but I'm very angry today. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it did kind of crack me up the way he said yeah. that. And I, and I, thought for okay take the trump the trump acolytes away i think that's what we need to hear he i felt like he biden was speaking for me absolutely and i this is going to move away from anger one, one day because frankly this entire broadcast I, I my stomach has just been turning but maybe this is the more political question trump and the trump administration they know they're in trouble on this one. You can always tell the way they react. Boy, they had a flood of things out there saying, no, this is wrong. The Atlantic's bad. Uh, they managed to call on John Bolton, which they hate hate to do. They know they have a problem, don't they? They must. His, and the fact that he, after speaking last night, he stopped on the tarmac to make a statement about it. So that, you know, between when he started speaking and got to the airport, he must have been told. Because the story dropped last night, I guess, right? Like yeah, I, yeah I, like saw, I saw the Atlantic article last last night. Because, yeah, you know, so, well, we're both the they were God help us that there'd be a piece of news out there that we didn't see in 10 minutes. I, I know. I mean, they were talking. I just caught a little bit of Rachel Maddow. And I think she was talking about it or Chris, one of those shows. Yeah. But anyway... Um, yeah, so I think they know, and I think even Trump knows yeah. that um, politically, he may agree with everything he said. And, you know, it's not even worth, like, the psychological discussion of why he said what he did or how he's built or did his dad do anything bad to him. Who cares? Yeah. Really, at this point, who cares? Mm-hmm. No, you're right. Who cares? Uh and I, I wish I had a really flippant thing to end with, 
and I thought about things related to bone spurs and everything else. But I, I got to tell you the truth. This one is so awful, so serious, that I cannot even find something smart aleck on a Friday. I feel like Lenny Briscoe on Law & Order without a smart aleck comment. <laughs> right? Poor Jerry Orbach. What if he had to go into the commercial break with nothing? That's the way I feel. Exactly. We're going into the weekend with nothing. With nothing. Nothing. Talk to you. All right. Bye. bye. Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.